We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. finally it's my show it's always been my show he's just stealing attention so you let's let's (laughs) reveal this then so you started the coronavirus to get andy off the show it seems seems a little james bond villain-esque of you sam but the more you think about it the more it is on brand facts though that's actually facts (laughs) now andy's gone for a couple weeks pre-planned trip and who am i here to go dude how are you going to miss the Warriors going to the Wizards in February? How dare so, he? He doesn't think about this stuff. <laughs> um, so so I got producer Ben, uh, Ben Cruz on this week. Uh, for those who don't know, Ben is responsible for taking 
the worst quality audio recording, I email him every week and trying to make it sound semi-passable. Hey, you, you said it, not me, dude. So <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know, I, I, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's like getting to work with some of the best pieces of art that, you know, a painter could, could want to work with. So I appreciate you and Andy just giving me amazing content every week, just dying laughing uh, as I'm editing in my hole in my house uh, <laughs> with my wife wondering what the hell I'm laughing at. So, no, I appreciate you guys. So, so you're just letting the listeners know you like abstract art. So I do, yeah. <laughs> Super bougie. <laughs> um, man, I, I, before we get to the Warriors, let's, let's talk through that Niner game real quick. Oh, do we have to? Jesus. All right, I mean, yeah, I, I, we have we, to. We don't need to go into it. I don't think our listeners want to, but where did you watch the game? <laughs> uh, watched it at my house, which was a also a combined first birthday party for my daughter. So, oh, wow. it, happy birthday! Yeah. Oh no, thank you. It, see, um, like we we planned this like a month and a half out. So we were like, we sent the invites out. We we're like, oh, let's just do it Super Bowl weekend because like uh, her birthday was actually like last week. My wife and I were working, so we're like, all right, this weekend seems to be free. Let's just do it. We're gonna have people over for the Super Bowl anyway. Let's just do it. Fully, like only half expecting the Niners to be in it. Once they made the Super Bowl, I immediately regretted the decision because I was like, my my mind is going to be, honestly, 75% Niners, 25%, oh, this is my daughter's first birthday and probably the most uh, important day of her life so far. Yeah. So it was, uh, once everyone was over, it was fine. It was, uh, it was a struggle. Where, where did you end up watching it? Uh, my friend throws a Super Bowl party. Oh, that's every right. Year. Yeah. We, we watch it, uh, at his place every year and you know, it was, uh, it was really fun and, and then it wasn't. So <laughs> there's not, there's not, I don't, I don't think we need to rehash every detail of it. I'm sure there's 4,000 other podcasts, you know, shout out striking gold and candlestick chronicles on the blue R network. If you want actual analysis of the game, but I will say this, I walked away from that less distraught than um i felt when the niners lost in 2013 oh a thousand percent yeah yeah, yeah. and but hear me out on this one it's because they're young uh, like you never want to give away chances to win the title but like i almost felt similarly in 2016 with the warriors where i knew they'd be back i knew they had like the a's are my baseball team every time the a's lose I get an existential crisis because I know they may just trade the whole team away. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the same thing goes when it's like a, a team that's maybe got a 31 year old Patrick Willis and a, you know, um, a 30 year old Navarro Bowman. And you're watching that and you're like, dude, I don't know if they have it in them to make another run at this. Right. With these Niners, I'm watching them and I'm like, you know, Kittle's what, 24, 25, Bosa's 22. I mean, they're just young across the board. It doesn't make it necessarily hurt less, but like you, you know, it's, it's not done, I guess is the best way to put it. No, I see what you're saying there. Like foundationally, they do have more pieces kind of moving forward where it's like, there's a lot of room for improvement and they honestly probably shouldn't have been here this quickly. Like they went from a, they went from four and 12 to the Super Bowl, which again is mostly unheard of, right? I think they're like the fourth or fifth team sure. to ever do that. And they, their rebuild, if you will, was expedited by the fact that Jimmy G tore his ACL last year and, 
you know, they ended up having the second worst record and then they get Bosa and that kind of revamps their defense, uh, a defense that was leaking. Steph, Steph parallels, <laughs> by the way. Right. Because um, one, my my main Niner takeaway from the Super Bowl was Nick Bosa's even better than than advertised. And they just wouldn't get that guy if they had Jimmy last year. Like even if they were like six and ten, they wouldn't get him, right? Absolutely. They, and that little step back may have been what they needed to be better over these next five years. Kind of like how Steph, you know, broke his hand on purpose <laughs> to save the Warriors dynasty. Yeah. He's, he's like, you know what? We're not good enough. We need another asset. Aaron Baines break it and yeah undercut me immediately that's definitely what uh I, I see what you're saying i like this nick nick bosa steph curry connections man i'm i'm, I'm with it i'm this is <laughs> i need this i halfway through the you gotta, you gotta come up with the positives like it's I, I like to think of the positives and the negative scenarios um maybe maybe i'm just a hipster because when things are going good i'm the guy who's like you guys are overrating this player you guys are doing too much but then when everyone's all sad i'm like hey guys it's not that bad yeah, yeah, you know, it it took me I had to get into a nice place mentally after the game was over because I the party was still going on. So, right. I I I I like this positivity that you're going with and I completely agree, mostly because I've been forcing myself to be in this space for the past like <laughs> 24 hours. So, I'm with it, man. It's it losses happen, you know? It's, it's part of the game. They'll be okay. Um no, we mentioned Steph. So the big news of the weekend is Steph will be reevaluated March first. Um, I have he should be playing. Um, he looks good, I, man. I have <laughs> he already zero, looks like he should be so, playing. Yeah. So we talked with, um, excuse me, we talked with the doctor on the premium podcast, which you guys should all subscribe to, um, and he kind of mentioned the hand injury does take over four months to heal. But it's one of those things where after two months, you can probably use it, and it's kind of a pain tolerance. It's your call about if you want to play through it. Uh, full discretion, my dad broke his hand, the exact same bone that Steph did a month before Steph did. So it was kind of it's, – it's kind of funny. My dad fell and broke it in a weird way, and then Steph did it a month after. So I'm watching my dad go through this. He's still like – I can't grip things the same way. And while the hand's okay, it's still, it doesn't feel the same as it used to feel, um, you know, pre-breaking it, which is to say, I think the, the Warriors, it's not so much that they're manipulating it. They're doing the thing where if it was the playoffs, he'd play through the pain and they deal with the results. Right. But, you know, because maybe they don't have as many incentives to win. It's better to just let Steph fully heal it instead of like having him have some sort of deformed hand because they want to rush him back 10 games early. Yeah, no, what's funny is I think the last time we potted together, the last time I filled in for Andy, I think was on premium and it was right when Steph broke his hand. And you and I had a conversation about like, oh, how many games are they going to win by by I think we the timeline that we set was like by the All Star break, right? Yeah, we we kind of had the All Star break as the um, just a checkpoint, the unofficial. We think he'll be back, right? And I remember you said I, I can't remember the win total that you projected. I think it was ten. I think <laughs> so. Right now around we're there, at eleven, baby. Yeah, mine mine was fifteen. 12, 12. Yeah, mine was fifteen. So it's it's definitely gonna fall right in the middle at. Uh, so that's I think that's super interesting, but yeah, man. I mean, watching Steph like just in warmups, 
just doing his regular routine, like he's he could go. And you know, I get it too. Like you don't want to rush rush it back with you know, I guess you know your franchise player. But and like this, particularly in a lost year, they're twelve and thirty nine. What what Steph really going to do at this point? Like right. him coming back would be. I mean, I want to watch it because, you know, I can only watch so much, uh, so much Jacob Evans, so much uh, Damian Lee, and you know, Damian Lee five threes tonight. Look good. First good. good game since signing the contract. Yeah, <laughs> nothing yeah. funnier than him. He deserved that contract because he's an NBA player. Right. Um, and then immediately goes into just a huge slump for three weeks. Um, but, I yeah, so I think we're going to probably get Steph sometime in early March. I would guess the 10th. You know, it could be the 15th, could be the 8th, something like that. And that puts him at about 20 games left on the season. Um, my question for you is – what do you want to what do you want to see from him over those final 20 games i mean i i want to see him i i think the first thing i want to see is just the initial contact right and just how he reacts to because inevitably he's going to get hacked he's going to take more falls like that and you use your hands to break your falls right does, does will he have the confidence to kind of even do that from like a standing position to a ground position like falling down obviously they're going to run him through like contact drills you know you know, one-on-ones, three-on-threes, five-on-fives before they throw them right. out there. But, you know, that in-game speed is just always a little bit different, right? It's like one and a half. It's like listening to a podcast what, at one and a half times. <laughs> uh, so that is going to be the first thing um, I'm going to, I want to see. And then just his timing, um, just with like, again, he's obviously the greatest shooter that's ever lived, but, you know, shooting an open gym for someone like him, that's probably, he could, he could have done it with one hand. Um, yeah, you know, what does he really speed. need his left for an open gym? Right, exactly. So, you know, at full speed with defenders coming at him with the same, you know, attacking him the same way that they did before he broke his hand, you know, how confident is he going to be? And then three, just the, obviously the fit with D'Lo, right? Like we got barely a taste of it um, at the beginning of the season and, and then unfortunately it all went away. So I think those are the three things I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing because – I mean, you're going to kind of need all of those things if they're going to be successful moving forward. So I think I think those are the three things I'm looking for when he comes back. So so two things there. Um, I'm not as necessarily as concerned about him playing through contact. I think he'll be fine with that regard. Um, in terms of the shooting, this is what I want to say. So D'Lo's shooting 38% on 10 threes a game, which there's only one other player in the NBA who's doing that right now, and it's Damian Lillard. And he's shooting 39.5%. Like, he's approaching 40%. It was a reminder to me, Steph shot 43.5% on 10 threes a game over the last five years. Insane. So, you know how, like, Dame's been <laughs> out of his mind recently? Yes, absolutely. And he's been, he's been amazing. Uh, but Dame is approaching 40%. I really think Dame's, Dame's at his best when he's hitting the three-point shot. Like, it really opens up everything for him. And he's a really good shooter, but he's not Steph Curry. It's just a reminder of just how big an outlier Steph's shooting is. Like, we all, in our minds, can think of those games where he's, you know, four for 12 or missing shots and everything like that. But it's like he's just remarkably consistent on the highest degree of difficulty shots of anyone ever. 
Yeah, and I mean, I I, I miss that. You know, like watching the NBA this year, it's it's just so average, right? And you just you just yeah. ca- and I think we took it for granted the past couple of years, right? All the, you know, five straight years in the finals, and you're just like, yeah, this dude's the greatest shooter ever. And you know, he has a like a rough stretch in the middle of January, and you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, come on, what's what's up with this dude? It's it's that classic like and, you don't know what you have till it's gone, right? He's and gone. that's his whole thing. His rough stretch is three to five games. <laughs> exactly. Damian Lillard's probably going to hit a rough shooting stretch that lasts 20 games. And rough for him will be 34 to 35% for right. three, which is still good. But it's not, you know, I think over the last six games, Dame's been like 45, 47%. And like when you can do all the things he can, plus you're making almost half your threes, you're, you're basically unguardable. Yeah, Dame is bonkers right now. I mean, I know I miss Steph. I miss watching Steph. I love watching Dame right now. That dude is best show. Best show in the NBA right now. Easily. Um, I I I love what Giannis and Luca do, but they're they're a little more methodical, and it's not quite as it. It doesn't have the same level of flair. Maybe maybe it's just a small guy thing. It's fun to watch the little guard just torch people. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just like he can do it. Like Steph, there's just once he crosses half court, you're like, oh, he could pull and he could make it. So there's just something about that. It's just that type of player it, it, is it's exciting. It's a defeatism when you're like, no, a guy's going to cross half court and you have to pay attention to him at the logo. Right. It, it really sucks if you're on the other side of it. And it's really amazing uh, if you're just watching it. Uh, to your second point, D'Lo, that's kind of where I'm at too. Um, the trade deadline's Thursday. That's going to be the the main talking point the rest of the way this week. And we're getting some murmurings that maybe D'Lo will get traded. I did a little digging on this. I talked to some people and just kind of reading the tea leaves with other stuff. I still lean that it's less likely to happen than more likely. Um, but the biggest reason I don't think it will happen at this point is... I think they want to see what Stefan Delo and maybe with Clay looks like. Like I think they need to be overwhelmed to not want to to trade him before they see what they have. And I don't know that an overwhelming offer is going to come in. No, yeah, totally. And they're they're kind of in the power position here, right? With Delo, there's there's no pressure for them to trade him on Thursday. Um because again, one, they need to see how he fits with with Steph and ideally Clay. But if you if you want to move on from D'Lo in the off season, I mean, once you kind of know where your pick falls and kind of everything else, like that just kind of strengthens your position to be able to make a deal. So they're in absolutely no rush. And I, 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 man, in terms of like a percentage of that trade happening, like, man, the T Wolves would have to overwhelm them, and I just don't see the T Wolves doing that given. How I mean, they they've kind of ruined their own leverage, right? Just with the amount that they're out there they're, saying they're they want thirsty. him. Oh, so they're, thirsty. They're definitely like everyone know. Yeah, that they want D'Lo, um, and that's one approach. Uh, the interesting <laughs> it's an approach, thing is, yeah. yeah, the interesting thing is like it's kind of been reported uh, from friend of the show Ethan Strauss um, that you know towns might not be happy in Minnesota. I don't know that I need Ethan to report that. I don't necessarily find it surprising a guy that talented is unhappy being in a losing situation sure yeah um but everyone knows uh towns booker and uh delo are 
it's kind of, you know, they're boys. They want to play together. Delo said as much, we're going to play together at some point. And, um, you know, it's pretty obvious why they want Delo uh, beyond the fact that he's better than every one of their players except for uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Right. <laughs> so it's a talent upgrade. Uh, you know, trading for your best player's close friend is a good way to keep him from demanding a trade. Um, so that that's part of it. The other part, I, it's hard for me to not see the Warriors leaking some of this. I think the Warriors are trying to kind of see if someone's willing to give them the the godfather pick offer at this point um i think they i think i think it's a warrior leak and i think the warriors are trying to see you know is minnesota willing to give us like four picks i like are they that. willing to I, go something crazy like that i like the theory more than uh any of these trade offers so this is what i love about you sam when you're like i think it's this person leaking it like no <laughs> other person projects that stuff and like that's it that's why i love editing this stuff because i'm like yeah, as I'm listening, obviously I'm looking for like stuff to take out or like keep in, and it's whenever you whenever you say that, like I think it's this leak. I'm like, oh, I got it. This is abs. This is fantastic. And uh, <laughs> I just got. I just had to put like this was not planned for me to kind of pump you up like this, but I love it when you do that, man. This I, I like this <laughs> Warriors leak. I like it. Um, yeah. So I mean, let's let's take this a step back. The Warriors. Let's take it to Joe Lacob. Joe Lacob wants Giannis. Yes, he wants. Yeah, yeah. Um, if not Giannis, he wants Joel Embiid. He wants. Um, I don't know Ben Simmons. Like he's a, he's a big game hunter. He's not. Uh, he's not looking for marginal moves. So I do think if they trade D'Lo, they want. They're going to be looking at it more from an asset play. Like they would rather have a bunch of picks so that they can then trade it when the next disgruntled star wants to leave. Right. Yeah. Pre-agency. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, we we've seen it. Paul George got traded and the Clippers wouldn't have been able to pull that off if they didn't trade Tobias Harris and they, and they didn't trade Blake Griffin to get Tobias Harris. And they, they didn't do all these moves to kind of give themselves this, you know, stockpile of assets to trade to a team who recognizes, okay, we're going to have to go into rebuilding mode. So give us the most, the most chips to rebuild with. And then, you know, so I think, I think that's the most likely play because I don't see, you know, D'Lo for Embiid straight up happening or D'Lo for Embiid and like, you know, the Warriors giving a couple picks, something like that. So I think the Warriors are only trading D'Lo if it's going to get them, a bunch of picks or future assets or like players on rookie deals. Like I, I, what I'm getting at is I don't know that they have it in them to do a, like the Monte for Bogut trade. Cause you know how like Bogut was like, he was kind of a, a marginal upgrade. Like he's better than Monte. He right. helped the Warriors more so, but like Bogut's not a, a flash signing. Is, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and, and they're also in a very different position now, right, than they were back then. Like, they know coming back next year, whether D, if D'Lo's in the fold, like, at worst, right, he's there, he's the third guy. Like, they'll still be contending for the playoffs and possibly a championship because Steph and Clay and Draymond, like, that combination is just that good. So they're dealing from a position of, like, superpower, uh, which is kind of scary to think about because, again, the front office – 
you know, they obviously haven't had to do a bunch of deals uh, over the course of, you know, this championship run. But to, to look at them, you know, looking ahead basically to next year and kind of this lost year and thinking like, we're, we're cool if we, we, we can check, right? Like we don't have to raise anything. Um, the, the fact that they have that power is, is, is kind of scary to think about, I guess, for the rest of the league. Not, you know, it's awesome for us to think about because uh, that's going to be fun to watch. But, man, like, it, it just I, I would love to just sit in on these trade calls and Bob Myers just sitting back. His feet are just kicked up, and he's like, you know, wow me, basically, with, with, with an offer, and, and no one can do it. So, so the flip side to it would be, what if Minnesota makes a different deal? Minnesota is clearly looking to add talent. What if they trade for, I don't even know who off the top of my head, but what if they get another point guard? All of a sudden, the number one team who's interested in D'Lo is no longer on the market. What if that kills the Warriors' leverage to trade him? So I think it goes both ways. Yeah. I think they, like, you can say play the long game, but... But even like, so let's say Minnesota does that, right? Like they trade for another point guard and the Warriors are quote unquote stuck with D'Angelo. Right. That's necessarily not the worst position to be in. Like, you know, you go into next season with Steph, Clay, Draymond and D'Lo. I mean, that's what they were kind of going into this year with. And they would have been a playoff team if everything, um, you know, if all these injuries didn't shake out the way that they did. So, I mean that's not necessarily the worst position to be in. And I think I forgot where I read this, but it, I think the Knicks would be potentially like, they obviously don't have the pieces <laughs> that the Timberwolves have to offer, but the Knicks could still be in play if they were like, Oh, we got to get, we got to get a freaking point guard in here. Cause we have 9,000 power forwards. So it's, uh, there's the, other the flip people. side is the Warriors have 9,000 power forwards. That is true. <laughs> that, Generally building the power forward roster is not a, I mean, it's definitely outside the box, not the move though. Um, yeah, I know. I saw the Knicks in there, and I, I just don't know that they have anything that the Warriors would want unless they're stupid enough to um, give the Warriors like unprotected picks. Right, and they're not that far above the Warriors currently in that in those lottery ball standings. I think I read it. It was like it would be a package of like Bobby Portis and Neil Akina, uh, and I was like, nah, that doesn't really. That doesn't do yeah, anything it's not for me. Doing it for me. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of garbage. But you know what? Do I, what do I know? So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I I still stand by my theory. I don't know that the Warriors are trading D'Lo if they aren't getting either a couple promising young players or uh, a couple picks. It's going to be something like that where uh, even if you don't think it makes sense in context of the Steph Clay Draymond contention window, it does make sense in terms of arming the Warriors with these tools to acquire the players that they really want to arm the roster around those guys. Um, the other thing is uh, Mark Stein reported Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson, the third available. I mean, I think everyone knows basically everyone outside the Warriors core three is available and Maybe Draymond would be available if the right package came, but I don't think that's really in the cards. Um, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about how do you feel about Alec Burks and and Glenn Robinson in general? Um, I actually like. I always kind of try to think about these. I, looking at them now, it's kind of like they're kind of playing out of their roles in in terms of like where they right. actually should be, right? So 
Alec Burks, I like. I would have liked him if he was that guy coming off the bench to kind of carry that second unit for a little bit to give Steph a breather. Uh, I do think he's, between him and GR3, I do think he's the most likely to be traded by Thursday, simply because he's kind of, even if he, he plays out this whole year, like he's not coming back, right? He's kind of out, he's kind of outpriced himself to the Warriors. Whereas I think Glenn Robinson, I do think everything. So I listen, everything that Anthony Slater has said about GR three is that he, he loves Steve Kerr. He loves the system. He kind of loves being with this team. So I do think that he's way, a he bigger candidate to come back. Perfect. Absolutely. They, they like, they like specific types of players and it's hard to find wings who can kind of do a little bit of everything and are comfortable functioning in that role. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised if they traded him, but I'm with you. I think if they trade him, they're going to do everything they can to get him back in the summer either way. Yeah, because like I don't think he's going to be – he wouldn't be that expensive, right? Because obviously with the cap stuff, like no team – I mean, I, I guess, you know, the Hawks could blow their load and, and you know, sure. throw him a shit ton of money, but, like, why would they do that? And he he's obviously found a role – so, I mean, why not stick around to, to play with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and, and you know, potentially D'Lo, and, you know, up your value even more? Like, it, it, it just kind of makes the most sense for him to kind of stick around, um, yeah, and, the, and like a fit-wise, like you said. The interesting thing is because everyone wants two-way wings. Yep. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying Glenn Robinson's, you know, some shutdown defender or some, you know, amazing shooter, but he's above average at both. Yes. And when you start running down the list of six, seven wings who can at least play a team defensive scheme and hit open threes and do a little more, um, the list gets really short. So I I do wonder what his free agency will be like. He's kind of had an interesting career where he was promising or he was raw. Then he showed promise. Then he had a couple bad injuries that really set him back and he's kind of resurrected himself with the warriors. And I kind of forget this. He turned 26 a couple of weeks ago. He's yeah. not old. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's super young. Um, and he's again, type of dude who you bring him off the bench. You know, again, he, he doesn't have star, to play. Or you start him yeah. um, next to the better players. But yeah, I mean, I could see Glenn Robinson, the third playing in a playoff rotation because he does enough things well enough to make that like he's he's clearly better than um you know alfonso mckinney or even like swaggy p like he could he could how play. dare you how do <laughs> we don't know that for a fact okay all i'm saying is i watched the warriors go out there with like jonas Terebko and quinn cook in game six of the finals last year and i'm i'm watching glenn robinson the third i'm being like you know he could have played in the finals last year him and damian lee would have looked real good against the raptors in uh, in game six of the finals which is uh strange to say but here we are yeah right um sorry sam gonna cut you off real quick because now seems like a great time to talk about our friends over at bet online did you miss your chance to bet on the chiefs and niners in yesterday's super bowl Fear not, dear listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big, no matter the time of year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. 
It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Give me the freaking Chiefs Niners rematch. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up and it's super easy. And if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's move this forward. We have some mailbag questions. Oh, we, we absolutely do. So I'll start you off with one from... <laughs> one from... Uh, the email question mailbag, uh, someone who is, we, we've got Varun, Varun Bagat. Uh, like many listeners, I was emotionally destroyed by the Super Bowl. Very strong verbiage there. I need unbridled blog boy optimism from you tonight. Can you map out the best case realistic scenario for the dubs to return to title contention next year? One scenario involving retaining D'Lo and one involving a trade of him, which is a great segue from what we were just talking about. Okay, so keeping D'Lo, it looks like this. They have Steph, D'Lo, Clay, Draymond. They're going to keep Pascal, Glenn Robinson the third. They're going to use the mid-level. They're, they're going to acquire Andre Godala, so now we're up to seven players. Andre will play kind of a reduced role relative to what he did during the you know the the dynasty run sure um they're gonna use the trade traded player exception to acquire a center to go in there maybe i don't know maybe like kelly olenek or someone like that they obviously still have looney to close lineups so now we're up to nine ten players and they still have their first round pick but they can make him a developmental project not necessarily a guy who needs to be a key first eight guy in the rotation for the playoffs. In my opinion, if they keep D'Lo, they're a 50-plus win team without even having to try because D'Lo will raise the floor. We can all argue about how Steph, D'Lo, and Clay together, like how does that match up with the Clippers? But you know who you play in the regular season a lot more often? The Sacramento Kings. The Phoenix Suns. (laughs) All these teams where they can rack up wins. Like I think... The D'Lo thing allows them to stagger and have 48 minutes of all-star point guard play, You know, majority of those being Steph Curry, who's a superstar. And it puts him in this position to be a 55-61 team. And I, don't, I still don't know how they defend at a high enough level with Steph and D'Lo on the floor at the same time in the deeper rounds of the playoffs, but that's still a contender. Okay, I like that. And, and so kind of going to the other part of his question – Map that out with D'Lo not on the team. Okay, so let's so if D'Lo's not on the team, that means they traded him at the trade deadline. And I'm going to assume that's Minnesota. So they get Robert Covington, who's an elite wing defender. Yep. Um, and they get a bunch of picks. Or a, let's just say a couple picks. They then package those picks along with their first-round pick. Now they're an interesting destination for the next 
disgruntled superstar. I don't know who that will be. Maybe, maybe Philly has a terrible playoff run, and they ha- they make a decision. We got to trade Ben or Joel. Um, maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not a good market for for disgruntled stars, but all of a sudden they have these chips. Maybe they decide they don't want to go for the disgruntled star. Maybe they decide they want to go for someone like Miles Turner, who is in a weird situation in Indiana where they have Sabonis, who's an all-star, and Turner, who are both centers. And the Warriors come around and go like, you know what? We'll give you a couple picks for that guy. You get rid of him. Now all of a sudden they have Miles Turner. I think I think that's the path if they trade d Wow, all right. I like both. Both both sound good. Right, let's uh, let's dive more into the mailbag here. So you mentioned Iguodala earlier. We have an, actually an Iguodala related question. If Iguodala is offered three and a half to four million by a playoff team next year, do you think he still comes back to the Warriors for the minimum, or would they have to dip into the mid level? Hmm. So, so vet min for him would be about two point three, right. two five, yep. two six, something like that. So you're saying, do they? Does he, he come back to, to the Warriors for that? Right, exactly. I mean, he already did it once with Sacramento. Sacramento offered him forty eight to fifty million over two years, and he stayed with the Warriors for forty eight over three. Uh, hard to say. I actually don't know that he'll have those offers in the off season. Given the way everything's breaking out with Memphis, it's not a good look for Andre. He's de- he's depressing his own market. I think I think I actually just saw that uh, Ja Morant is uh, really pushing for this dude to get traded. <laughs> ja is not happy. I think he just got that alert from Bleacher Report. Um, so I saw the Dylan Brooks quote. We got a Dylan oh Brooks yeah. Quote. So let it me, was uh, me... I think it was him and Ja. So already two disgruntled current teammates as weird as that sounds uh for Iguodala so um and then so let's let's dive into one more this is probably my favorite question of the mailbag did Andy ruin the Niners brief dynasty as well (laughs) everything is Andy's fault all good things are me all bad things are Andy there you go I I can't I I'm I'm filling in for him so uh, you know I appreciate everything that you do Andy wherever you, wherever you are right now. Um, let's see, we got a couple other good ones here. Uh, how do you feel about Smiley Geach being tall, Alex Caruso from my friend Kirk Henderson? Tall do you, Alex Caruso. Do you think? Okay, so he he texted me this. He kind of alluded to the fact that like, so Laker fans kind of make the Caruso is kind of a caricature, right? Sure. He's actually, he's, he's actually a decent player. He, he definitely is an NBA player. Right. Um, and warrior fans seem to really like smiling each. I don't think it's reached that level yet with him. Smiley's, uh, he's a little bit of a project. He's interesting. But I don't think it's uh, reaching Bleacher Report aggregating everything he does five times a day. I, I could kind of see it from the perspective of like if he does something, NBC Sports Bay Area will kind of pull the Bleacher Report True. move and pull his stuff and kind of highlight him in that sense. But it's nowhere near <laughs> Alex Caruso levels. Those are like this Alex Caruso finished freaking like fourth 
in all-star guard voting <laughs> for the West. So let's, That's true. you know, like Smiley, the, the casual NBA fan doesn't know who he it. is. Yeah. So it's, I, there's more people out there who know who Alex Caruso is somehow uh, than than Smiley Geach. Like it's that's not even close. Let, let me ask you this question: If the Warriors were the Warriors of the last couple of years, would Smiley Geach get national aggregation Caruso attention? Hmm. I I just don't think he plays enough. I mean, I would like to think that he would because again, they're they're under a more or they're under a bigger spotlight. Right. I just, but you know, someone who's kind of going between Santa Cruz and Oakland, I just don't think he gets that. I think the Warriors kind of like shut that down almost. Uh, the, the Lakers are trying to just build that goodwill back up that they kind of lost over the past right. couple of seasons. So they're like, hey, you want to talk about Alex Caruso? Go ahead, you know? So I, I don't think the smiley thing would have reached. I think, well, like Warriors marks, Warriors smart marks would have been like all over that, right? But I don't think right. I don't think nationally it would have reached uh, the Caruso levels. That's a good I'm question, though. I like that. I'm with you there. Um, I like this one from Brando. Uh, Brando Starkly from the Undefeated, or Star- Starkey. Sorry, um, it just inserted the letter L into his name for no reason. <laughs> um, but I do that. Uh, answer me this. What pieces would you have to put around Steph, Clay, Draymond, and D'Lo for them to be a championship contender? Man, I think it's just, I think it's like a, it's a rim runner center, kind of like they kind of have one already in, in, in Marquise Chris, and then just literally a bunch of GR3s, <laughs> which, so right. it's obviously they have like one of them. But that's that's really it, right? It's like a rim runner center and people who can spread the floor and play some decent defense. Uh, I don't think that formula has changed all that much from the past couple of seasons. Obviously, Durant was a huge piece, but that's the kind of they they always surrounded their core, or they tried to at least, or that they wanted to, sure. with those kind of pieces. With you know, Javale McGee's. Um, you know, Alfonso McKinney's who obviously he didn't pan out as well, but it's just those type of guys that I think with the kind of the gravity that Steph and clay provide and everything that Draymond can do, you just got to fill in those gaps, you know? So I think that's, those are the ideal pieces around those four. Yeah. I feel like, um, the one thing that everyone undersells if D'Lo does come back is, you know how like we watch Houston and they will, you know, they have, Harden and Westbrook and before Westbrook goes Chris Paul they start together but then one of them is always on the floor at all times of the game right and it's so annoying when you have your backups in there but the other team has Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul and you're like dude this guy's too good to play against the backups (laughs) right that's something the Warriors could have if D'Lo was still here like it's really hard to compete with the fact that like the other team has let's just say the Lakers for example they they have Rondo and like Jared Dudley and you know like kind of a hodgepodge of like solidish bench players Alex right? Caruso who we just talked sure. <laughs> and the other team has either Steph Curry or D'Angelo Russell just cooking it, it leads you to a lot of wins honestly the biggest thing people missed with the Spurs being as good as they were the last, the second half of the dynasty run of theirs was 
they were deep. They they beat teams with the bench. Like right. their starters would play you even, but then you knew their bench was going to increase. Their bench was going to get like a five to seven point advantage on your bench at all times. And that adds up really quick, you know, because they'd have Manu coming in. and But you don't have Manu on your bench. It just leads to like this, this uh, and the game, you know, I mean, the possessions in the second quarter are just as valuable as the possessions in the first or the third. So it, it leads to your ability to just win more games. It doesn't change the fact that like at the end of a game, either D'Lo or Steph has to guard Paul George. And I don't know how that works. But like I said, you only you don't play the Clippers eighty two times, right? You can kind of figure that out when you when you have to. But everyone else, I mean, we can see it this year, right? Just kind of the West standings. I think the best way to put it is it raises the floor, but the fact that you don't know how those four play together in like crunch time minutes, it might lower the ceiling. But but hey, you know you can't have a perfect team. We we had a perfect team for three years. Yeah. Sometimes reality hits. (laughs) Yeah yeah. So last topic of the show, our friend Andre Godala is taking player empowerment to the next level with his just outright refusal to play, but collecting his checks and just trying to dictate where he gets traded. How do you feel about this, Ben? Man, I feel like my opinion of this is probably slanted because i'm a huge iguodala guy like i think he could do no wrong and then he started doing this so um in in terms uh i think it's messed up in in the sense that look he's getting paid a lot of money i understand you don't want to live in memphis i understand you you might not want to play in memphis but man we we live in the bay area i could i could do with some memphis housing prices well that too i mean well he might not want to move (laughs) right or like pick up a new crib just for whatever six months like that that is annoying and i get that (laughs) yeah like and no i also understand from the fact of like i'm like i'm in my 30s too like i wouldn't want to move somewhere for six months to do my job like i get it from that perspective i also think like he's getting paid a shit ton of money to play basketball and like go do your thing like and and there was there's a very high chance even if he was playing um that he was he would be traded anyway so i i don't know like this the player empowerment stuff like i'm all for it like i'm very pro player empowerment just just generally this i think takes it to an extreme that i don't necessarily agree with so i i I mean Hopefully it's coming to some sort of resolution, but man, it's it, it's it's not a good look for my guy. Let's just uh, t- kind of steal a quote from Binge Mode. It's <laughs> it's it's not a great look for for Iguodala. I'm with you on that. To me, I think the problem is the league. I think this is on Adam Silver. Sure. Yeah. Um, I just can't see this happening with David Stern being in charge. And like, okay, David Stern's a little t- tyrannical, uh, but sometimes you need the Vince McMahon. Sometimes you need someone to get on the mic and tell you you're fired. Exactly. You don't do it. Um, I appreciate that reference, by the way. I appreciate all your wrestling <laughs> I references. To, I had on. to weave in. You know, my, my wrestling knowledge is more tied to the Attitude Era. I'm not a uh, not a constant consumer of the WWE that, anymore. That's fair. That's that's where we grew. That's where my fandom like exploded. Yeah. I just haven't been able to shake it. It's like a drug habit at this point, <laughs> where I'm like, I just accept it. It's part of my life. 
and every like my family and friends just have to accept it as well. So, and I, I got a podcast out of it. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, you're willing to pod during Monday Night Raw. I really appreciate that. Um, I watch the East Coast feed if I'm being fully honest. So I already, oh, I already so no watched wonder, it. No wonder you wanted to record after eight. Yeah, I was, um, I was way ahead of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a. Um, I think it's ultimately bad for the league that he's able to do it. But like, here's where I come down. Andre's just using his leverage. If I was in his position, I would push my leverage as far as I could. Right. And he's only able to push it because no one's telling him no. Like, we all have jobs. We all have done contract negotiations in some form or another. You push it as far as you can because because you can, because you want to make more money, because you want to dictate your own outcome. Uh, whether it's financial or comfort or, you know, I want to work from home three days a week and I will not take this job unless you give it to me. And if they're willing to give it to you, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, so you, I think yeah. I think the <laughs> issue is no one's... I'm, it's just strange that he has a fully guaranteed contract and no one's making him actually honor it. And that, to me, falls above him. Because quite frankly, if someone was willing to give me sixteen million and I was able to tell him, nah, not coming in today, I'd probably do it too. Absolutely. Anyone who's like I, I can sit high and mighty and say, hey, you know, he should play, he should do this. And like there are a lot of people who are saying that too. But everyone else would do the exact same thing. If again, it's it's super weird that no one's like, yo, you have to go in, man. Like you have to practice at least you have to do something. He's literally gallivanting yeah, around the Bay area. Still pull your, pull your hamstring and stretch it for four weeks. Right. I don't know. Something like, like that. Fake an injury. Like, you know, come here for a game and like twist your ankle. Like if you, if you don't want to play um, it, but man, Hey, props to, this is why the Warriors needed him during this championship run. He just thought the game <laughs> way ahead of everyone else. So mad respect to, uh, to the champ i'm 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 just so the the grizzly players have finally started saying stuff dylan brooks sent a tweet um let me pull it up now dylan brooks i can't wait till we find a way to trade him so we can play him and show him what memphis is really all about and then john morant retweeted that and a few of the players like uh jay crowder and all them i mean they got into it and i get it those guys are fighting for the eight seed, they're a good team. They're really good, actually. And it's a little disrespectful that he doesn't even want to be a part of their team. Like, I would feel disrespected if I was a Memphis player. Uh, Two things on that. Like, one, I at least would have come back for their their throwback jersey nights because those are – I actually like those jerseys. I think they're incredible. Two, it's just funny that since they brought those jerseys back – he went full Stevie franchise on him. It was like, I'm not playing for the Grizzlies. Um, so it's just funny how things come full circle. You know, maybe, maybe he's, this is a way of paying homage to uh, Steve Francis. We, we don't know. We should, so, <laughs> someone's got to get, who, who does Blue Wire's Grizzlies pod? They got to get Iguodala on and figure this all out. I mean, when I think of the Grizzlies, I think of um, Big Country Reeves. Absolutely. Number one. Who, who was meant to be a pro wrestler, not an NBA player? Man, they, they yeah they missed a that was a big missed opportunity. 
I lived in Canada actually when the Raptors and Grizzlies became teams, um, <laughs> and it was it was incredible. Uh, obviously, the Grizzlies didn't survive <laughs> out there in Vancouver. Was there, was there a big big country hive in Vancouver? Just, you know, just resonated with the the Vancouverans or Vancouveronians. I, th- I, I mean. It was a long time ago. Like I was like eight years old when this happened. Uh, but he was, in terms of like ca- Canadian celebrities, he was definitely out there just because he was a big, tall, white dude. Um, and can- Canadians love them, some big, big tall, white dudes. So he I mean, was... He looks uh, like a Mountie. Absolutely. No, absolutely. He, he could be uh, confused for a Mountie easily. So <laughs> he, he unfortunately didn't... You know, his career kind of petered out. <laughs> um after a few years, but you know, he's uh, he he ha- he made some money. He made some Canadian dollars and uh, and and took it to the sure. bank. Which are three quarters of a dollar? Exactly, exactly. Um, what was I gonna say he? Uh, that's enough big country Reeves talk on the podcast. Yeah, we'll say that again. Who does? We'll say that for the Grizzlies, <laughs> the Grizzlies spot here we'll on Blue Wire. Premium feed, subscribe. Yeah, guys. and yeah, there you go. Um. Okay, we'll get out of here on that. I guess next pod, um, we will know if D'Lo stays or goes. I, I want let, Let's end with this. Gun to your head. Um, is D'Lo a warrior on Friday? Yes. Okay, yes. you feel very... So, l- l- then let me take another set. What percentage chance do you think it is he gets traded? You're, you're, you think he's clearly going to be a warrior. You're saying it's like... 20 percent he's traded i go i'm thursday i'm going 15 and i'm sticking with 15 because the last time you asked me to predict something i predicted 15 wins for the warriors at the all-star break i'm going 15 percent for uh d'lo being traded by thursday i'm just sticking with my brand i like the i like the number 15 damn it that's patrick mahomes number i hate 15 (laughs) (laughs) i'll go with um I'm going to go with 20%. Okay. I think okay. it's – so, basically, I, I think just a little more, but I don't think he'll be traded. I mean, it, like you said, there there is a possibility, and as, as it gets closer, that someone's going to shoot them the godfather offer, and they're going to have to pull the trigger. Like, there is that opportunity for someone to do that, and as as you kind of read all these trade deadline articles, there, one running theme is like – Teams get more and more desperate as the deadline comes up. So you uh, and they put false info out there to try to make opposing teams more desperate. Exactly. I think that's my favorite part of the deadline. Um, the more social media, the more media exists, the more misinformation goes out there, and like teams want that. Like, I mean, I think Bob's. I think Bob has a burner. I think Bob's feeding accounts information, being like. Yeah, the Wolves offered us three picks, but we're not. We're not. <laughs> we're not settling for less than four. And the next thing you know, it's on Bleacher Report tomorrow. Yeah, and then they're gonna have four first-round picks <laughs> just to build around Steph. So we can never, we can never Steph, underestimate Steph and a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, and I guess that's to your point. We can never underestimate the swindle god. So that's that's the extra five percent. I like that. There we go. Five percent for the swindle god. That's the pot. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.